Get your brooms out, people. That is a late-night West Coast series sweep for the Orioles over the Los Angeles Angels. And I'll recap the final two wins of the series coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, September 7th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the final two games of the Orioles' three-game sweep in Anaheim over the Angels. I'll get you the five things you need to know from Tuesday's wild win in 10 innings that saw the Orioles make multiple rallies and get the hero pitching from Fujinami in the 10th inning. And then the five things you need to know from the blowout win on Wednesday with the Orioles offense exploding to pick up the sweep. And then finally, a little Orioles news and notes at the end of the pod, including the O's going back to a five-man rotation, who they're taking out, and the latest updates on John Means and Tyler Wells. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And please like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. We're right here on YouTube as well. You can see my face as I talk about the Orioles here. Got a nice little rundown on the side. If you haven't watched on YouTube before, we thank you all so much. The everydayers out there being with me every single day to talk about the O's, even if you're just popping in, even if you're new to the pod, that's amazing too. Can't thank you enough. It's going to be a fun September and October ride for the Orioles, and make sure you are here every single day. But today we start with a series sweep by the Orioles. Now, I talked about it earlier this week, just because of the West Coast games, because of my personal schedule, it was really, really tough to stay up late enough to watch the entire game, record the podcast, edit the podcast, post the podcast, and then go to bed and get up for work in the morning. So I took off one of the three days from doing that. Because of that, we did have a full mailbag episode yesterday, so make sure to go check out Wednesday's episode. But here for Thursday, I'm back recapping the final two games of the series. If you want to hear about the game one victory, you can head back to Tuesday's episode. But we will start with the Tuesday victory from two nights ago. Final score Orioles five and Angels four in 10 innings as the Orioles captured at least the series win with that victory on Tuesday night. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from that wild win. And the first thing you need to know is the Orioles do not quit, they do not die, they do not roll over. It is shown all season. They are tied for the lead in all of Major League Baseball with the Cincinnati Reds with 44 comeback wins this season. But what I will say is, even on Tuesday, they did something comeback-wise that they have not done all year. The Orioles coming into play on Tuesday night had not won a game all season when they were trailing after eight innings. Hadn't done it all year until Tuesday night. And we'll talk about what the bullpen did to blow what was a 2-0 Orioles lead in the seventh inning, but they went to the ninth trailing 3-2. They were facing Carlos Estevez, who isn't the best closer in baseball, but he was 29 for 31 in saves. He was an all-star for the Angels this year. And the O's just jump on him. I mean, from the get-go, they jump on Estevez in that ninth inning. And did they get a little bit of batted ball luck? Yes, they did. 
The Adam Frazier pinch hit double was more of a bloop double down the line. I mean, Frazier hit the ball 73 miles per hour off the bat after Aaron Hicks started the inning with a line out, but he gets on second with one out. Then they go to the pinch hitter, Ryan O'Hearn, and O'Hearn just does what O'Hearn does. Scorches a single 103 off the bat into left center field, an RBI knock to tie the game at three, but the O's weren't done. Adley Rutschman walks, then Ryan Mountcastle shoots a single through the right side, and the O's take a 4-3 to lead going into the bottom of the ninth. And we'll get to what the bullpen did. They gave up a run, it went to extras, but that did not stop the Orioles, who then came out there in the 10th inning. Gunnar Henderson grounds out to get the zombie runner to third. Jordan Westberg with kind of a, a little chopper in the infield that was hit slow enough to score. Austin Hayes make it a 5-4 game, and they only got the one run. Sometimes that could be an issue on the road in extra innings, but it was enough to win the game. It's just incredible to see this Orioles team continue to fight back, to rally. They're never out of a game at any moment, and they showed that once again on Tuesday night. Second thing you need to know from that wild win, let's take you to the bottom of the 10th. What a moment for Shintaro Fujinami. His biggest moment in an Orioles uniform, and he came through. We'll get to what the rest of the bullpen looked like on Tuesday night. Of course, the Orioles still without Felix Bautista, so you really don't know who you're going to in some of these big-time safe situations. And Yenier Cano was not available because he had pitched each of the last two days for the Orioles. So because of that, weren't really sure who was going to be in the save situation. So you got down to the bottom of the 10th inning. You had Joey Crable in the game. He had gotten the final out of the ninth to get it to extras. And then you had Fujinami out there in the bullpen. That was pretty much it. And they go to Fuji. In a 5-4 game, and I get it, right? Like, he hasn't pitched in a lot of high leverage at all. Basically, has been all low leverage spots over the last two weeks. It was a little concerning, but when you think about what you need in the zombie runner extra innings, you need what Felix Bautista does, which is strikeouts. Because even just contact that aren't necessarily hits can lead to a run. Exactly how the Orioles scored in the top of the 10th. Back-to-back roundouts, they get a run. You need guys who miss bats. And although he struggles, when you lose Felix Bautista, the number one guy who misses bats in this bullpen is probably Shintaro Fujinami. And Brandon Hyde was kind of had his hands tied. He couldn't really go to anyone else, but also seemed like an okay spot to get him back into a high leverage role. And wow, did Fuji meet the moment. First batter flies out. Zombie runner goes to third with one away. And then Fuji just bears down. Just blows a high fastball by Trey Cabbage for a huge strikeout. And then what he did to Nolan Shanuel was incredible to get the final out. Goes to 0-1, really hadn't thrown a splitter the entire inning. Drops a splitter in there for strike two, and then throws a ridiculous splitter that starts at the knees, ends up in the dirt. Shanuel could not check his swing. Fuji gets the huge strikeout to get the save, his second in an Oriole uniform. If they get that version of Fuji, this is a different bullpen down the stretch, even without Felix. That was just... Man, what an incredible outing. The guts to throw those back-to-back splitters after you really hadn't thrown it all day. He was just going with the 100-mile-per-hour fastball. That was incredible to do to Shanuel, who was, I mean, playing college baseball right three months ago. He hasn't seen anything like Shintaro Fujinami, and it showed. But that was awesome to see him step up in that spot. Third thing you need to know from the Orioles' 5-4 to extra innings win on Tuesday over the Angels is that... Despite Fuji's heroics, the rest of the bullpen did kind of look like they missed Felix Bautista in that Tuesday game. Now, don't get me wrong. The O's bullpen has been good. 
since Felix has gone out with the elbow injury, but they weren't exactly great on Tuesday. Now, I will give CNL Perez credit. He was really good. He came in in the fifth, got out of a bases loaded jam, got a couple of outs in the sixth. But after that, everybody struggled a little bit. Jorge Lopez came in, got the final out of the sixth, kept it at a 2-0 game, but came out in the seventh and allowed three hits, did get two strikeouts, but both of the runs that were scored in the seventh were charged to him. Then Danny Coulomb came in, and although he wasn't charged with an earned run, he allowed the RBI single to Mike Moustakis that tied the game at two. Then Jacob Webb came out there in the eighth inning, he allowed a triple and then a single to give the Angels the 3-2 lead. And then D.L. Hall was the guy given the ball in the bottom of the ninth after the Orioles scored two in the top half to take a 4-3 lead. Hall was one strike away against Mickey Moniak with two on and two out. And Moniak, who does not hit lefties, hit a fastball from Hall into center field for an RBI single to tie the game. And Joey Crable, he did a good job, came in and got the final out of the ninth to send it to extras. But those guys in the middle, nobody really stepped up. Until, of course, Fuji did it in the 10th inning. Fourth thing you need to know from the Orioles' Tuesday win is that Adley Rutschman's looking pretty good in the leadoff spot. I'm getting a lot of questions recently about why is Adley hitting leadoff? You know, he doesn't have any speed. This isn't 1992. Like, you put the guy with the best on-base percentage at the top of your lineup. That is the best way to construct an order, and that is what the Orioles are doing right now. Adley has a team high in on-base percentage. He's getting on base, and he showed it on Tuesday, drawing three walks out of that leadoff spot, added a single and an RBI in the game, one for two with an RBI, a single, a run scored, and three walks. That is an incredible day for a leadoff hitter, no matter if he's Adley Rutschman or Cedric Mullins, whether he's a catcher or a speedster or whatever. That's a great day for a leadoff hitter, and Adley, since Brandon Hyde moved him to the leadoff role, his stats have actually been better. As the number two hitter this year, 272 average, 371 on base, 122 WRC+. Plus. As the leadoff hitter, 295 average, 377 on base, and a 124 WRC+. Plus. And although his walk rate has actually lowered a bit in the leadoff spots, gone from 14% to 11%, his strikeout rate has lowered a lot, from 16% to 12%. He's basically walking just as much as he strikes out in the leadoff spot, plus he's hitting better. I just really like the way the Orioles lineup is constructed with Adley at the top. I get it. You know, if you're someone who's like, why is a catcher with not crazy speed leading off? It's working. He's doing the right things in that spot. It's making the Orioles better at this point. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles game two victory over the Angels on Tuesday is that Dean Kramer actually kind of had his worst start in a while. Now, I know he didn't give up an earned run, but... The final line of four and two-thirds, no runs on four hits, five Ks, and three walks was not great. Only three hard-hit balls was solid from Dean, but his command, some of the worst command I've seen him have in like a couple of months here. He's been really, really good lately for the Orioles. This is his worst start probably since late July. On July 30th, the Sunday night baseball blowout of the Yankees, when he only lasted four innings and allowed three runs on seven hits in that start. This was his worst start since then, I and mean, I get it was scoreless, but, you know, he walked multiple batters in the fifth inning, left the bases loaded. Luckily, CNL Perez came in and got out of that jam to keep the zero in the earned run column for Dean Kramer. But it was a little bit concerning. Still escaped it. Hopefully, he will bounce back in his next start. But either way, the Orioles got the win 5-4 to four in 10 innings on Tuesday night to clinch the series. So next up, they were going for the sweep on Wednesday. And let me tell you. Tuesday night was a barn burner, a stressful game, a wild baseball game that kept us all up until 1 a.m. Eastern time. 
Wednesday's game may have kept us up late, but a much easier victory to get the sweep Wednesday. I'll talk about how the O's did it coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit. Or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So the Orioles got that wild win, 5-4 in extra innings on Tuesday night with Fuji closing it out to get the series win, but then they went for the sweep on Wednesday night and they got it. And this is something the Orioles haven't done lately, right? Against some bad teams they've been playing over the last couple of weeks, specifically that series against the White Sox and the series against the Rockies, where they won the first two games against bad baseball teams and just couldn't quite close it out for the sweep in Game 3. They certainly closed it out Wednesday night in Game 3. The Orioles winning 10-3 to in the series finale to clinch the sweep over the Angels. Now, they didn't get a lot of help from the Red Sox. I had mentioned on Tuesday's episode that the Red Sox did beat the Rays in Game 1 of their series 7-3 on Monday night. Didn't go as well since then. Rays and Red Sox played an equally wild game on Tuesday night with the Rays winning it, unfortunately, 8-6 to in the 11th inning on a three-run walk-off home run from my guy, Brandon Lau. I was the Larry David meme, like, mm-mm, seeing Brandon Lau, my Terp, hit a three-run walk-off homer that did hurt the Orioles. And then the Red Sox just did nothing in Game 3 Wednesday, and the Rays beat them 3-1. to So the Rays did take 2 out of 3 from the Red Sox, but the Orioles swept the Angels, which meant they did gain a game on the Rays throughout the series itself. So the Orioles will head into Thursday's off day with a 3.5 game lead over the Rays. The Rays do start a 4-game series with the Mariners on Thursday, so the Rays will be in action. So it'll either be a 3 or a 4-game lead heading into the weekend for the Orioles. But with the sweep that concluded with the 10-3 to win, on Wednesday, the Orioles get to 88 and 51 on the season. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles 10 to 3 victory over the Angels on Wednesday night. The first thing you need to know is Austin Hayes was feeling himself at the plate on Wednesday in this one. And Hayes has now been really, really good recently for the O's. Remember, he had the amazing first half where he made the All-Star team and then came in July out of the All-Star break just struggling mightily. But in his last 18 games now, including Wednesday night, Hayes is hitting 338 with an OPS over 1,000. And he continued that Wednesday with a big night. Austin Hayes going 4-for-4 four four with a double, a homer, and four RBIs in this game. Had a big two-run single in the third to kind of break the scoring open a little bit. Also had a big double in the second. Had a solo homer in the eighth that was the 10th run for the Orioles. Also had a big sack fly in the sixth inning. Ended up with four hard-hit balls on the day with his 4-for-4 four four night. Hayes was just locked in in this game. Nobody else was locked in more than Hayes. 
Double in the second, 105 off the bat. Single in the third, two-run single, 104 off the bat. Single in the fifth, 101 off the bat. His sack fly in the sixth was 93 off the bat, but it was still a good AB. And then the home run in the eighth, the solo shot, 105 off the bat, 364 feet for Austin Hayes. First game with three or more hits for Hayes since August 3rd, when he also had a four-hit game. He was four for five in Toronto that day. Hasn't been a lot of these big games in the second half, but his bat is starting to heat up once again for the Orioles. Second thing you need to know from the 10-3 win over the Angels on Wednesday is that Anthony Santander kind of wrapped up his two-week heater that I had talked about in perfect fashion. All the way back, you got to go all the way back to two weeks ago, and that series against Toronto, when Santander came back from that back injury that had kept him out for about four days, got back into the lineup on August 23rd, and immediately hit two home runs in that Orioles win. Then in the next game, he hit another homer, and the O's ended up taking those two games and winning the series against the Blue Jays. I said on Twitter, at Lockdown Orioles, that Santander was about to go into a two-week heater. Well, the two weeks finished up basically on Wednesday night, and the two-week heater was certainly a heater for Anthony Santander. Over these last two weeks, since August 23rd, since he came back from that little back issue, Santander is 21 for 58 at the plate. That is a 362 batting average with five doubles, six homers, 17 RBIs, and an 1162 OPS in that span. And he capped it off with a great night on Wednesday. Hit his team-high 27th home run that kind of put the game away in the eighth inning. A two-run shot that made it 9-3 to at the time, hit that one 101 off the bat, 391 feet. But it was also just a big day all around for Santander, who went three for four with the homer, three RBIs, a walk, two runs scored in this game as well. He just continues to be a huge middle-of-the-order bat. And all of a sudden, with this big power streak recently, he's got his OPS up to a team-high 826. Santander coming on strong late in the season. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to catch his home run total from last year when he hit 33 bombs to lead the Orioles. Again, he's at 27 right now. So you're trying to do the math of, you know, what the Orioles have left on the schedule. 23 games, he would need six of them to tie, seven to win. It would be a hot streak, but it would certainly propel the Orioles to a division title if he were able to do it. Third thing you need to know from this one is don't sleep on Ramon Arias and his day at the plate either. I mean, Hayes had a big day. Santander had a big day. I mean, even some other guys, Aaron Hicks had a big two-run single. Jorge Mateo found himself on base twice, scoring two runs. Ryan Mountcastle had a hit and a walk in this game. But how about Ramon Arias, who did not play in either the Monday or Tuesday games and then gets the start at second base, hitting sixth on Wednesday, and goes 3-for-5 with an RBI, got the scoring started with an RBI single in the second to put the Orioles up one nothing against the Angels starter Patrick Sandoval. Ended up with three singles on the day, just one hard-hit ball, but Arias quietly in his last five games has just been punching singles everywhere over the field. Arias in his last five games is 10-for-20 with nine singles and a double, four Ks, two walks, and just two RBIs in that span despite the 10 hits. So he's really not hitting for much power. He's not crushing the ball off the bat, but he is hitting right now and just continuing to be a valuable utility guy for the Orioles. Fourth thing you need to know from the 10-3 win on Wednesday night is that Kyle Gibson had a nice bounce-back start for the Orioles on Wednesday. Now, he wasn't perfect, and he wasn't nearly the best he's been this year, but it was another quality start for Gibson, who now has 15 quality starts 
in 29 games started overall this year for the Orioles. Gibson goes six innings, allowing three runs on six hits with three strikeouts, two walks, and a home run allowed. Just six hard hit balls against him in the six innings of work. Like, hey, it wasn't perfect. You know, he gave up a, a two-run homer to Renjifo in the third, gave up one more run on a sack fly in the sixth. Didn't really have good swing and miss stuff. He did get the strikeout that set the new Orioles single season record for strikeouts by a pitching staff, but otherwise just had three Ks on the day. He had only seven whiffs on 41 swings. Couldn't quite find one pitch that was really working perfectly. But even though he didn't have his best stuff, he did not get blown up like he did in his last start against a bad White Sox team. Instead, against a bad Angels team, he still was able to fight himself through six innings, get the quality start, keep the O's in the game, get himself in line for the win as the Orioles offense exploded for the 10 runs on 12 hits. And I don't know if the Orioles will get like the really, really good version of Kyle Gibson back, but I still think he's their fourth best starter. And if he's giving them quality starts like this every time out there, the O's will win a lot of games down the stretch. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the win Wednesday that clinched the sweep for the Orioles is that the bullpen just came in and did its job. Now, it wasn't, you know, super high leverage spots for the bullpen. CNL Perez came in in the seventh in a 7-3 game. He put up a 1-2-3 inning for himself. Then the O's got the three-run eighth. They went back to Fujinami in the eighth. He gave up a hit, got a strikeout, put up a scoreless eighth. And then Cole Irvin came in. And a 1-2-3 ninth with a K locked down the win and the series sweep for the Orioles. But you may be wondering, Cole Irvin, why did he pitch the ninth inning? Isn't he in the Orioles' six-man rotation? Well, that's what we got to get to coming up next to finish off the pod because it is no longer a six-man rotation as of Wednesday. That is why Cole Irvin pitched in relief. He has been moved back to the bullpen. The O's are going to a five-man rotation again. So what does it mean for the O's starters, for John Means, and for others down the stretch in September? We'll get to that to finish off the pod coming up next. So the Orioles take down the Angels 5-4 in extras on Tuesday, 10-3 on Wednesday to complete the sweep. And they get rewarded with the day off here on Thursday as they fly back to the East Coast before starting a three-game series at Fenway Park against the Red Sox coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But the rotation that the Orioles go with starting-wise this weekend is going to look a little different maybe than they had initially planned. Because Brandon Hyde said to the media before Wednesday's game that the Orioles, for now, are going away from the six-man rotation that they've been doing for about a month now and instead are moving back to the traditional five-man starting rotation. And the odd man out is Cole Irvin, who was moved to the bullpen and subsequently pitched the 1-2-3 ninth inning out of the pen on Wednesday night to finish up that victory over the Angels. So with Cole Irvin out... Your five guys are Kyle Bradish, Jack Flaherty, Grayson Rodriguez, Dean Kramer, and Kyle Gibson in the rotation. Now, Cole Irvin was scheduled initially to start this Friday night against the Red Sox. Now that he's out of the rotation, they'll go Kyle Bradish on Friday, Jack Flaherty on Saturday, and then Grayson Rodriguez on Sunday against the Red Sox. Now, I'm not super surprised they went back to the five-man rotation at some point, and obviously with John Means looming, we'll talk about that in just a second, but the first thing my brain went to is, how does this impact who's going to pitch in this Rays series next weekend? Because that is the biggest series of the year, maybe in a long time, for the Orioles. A four-game series at Camden Yards next Thursday through Sunday against the Tampa Bay Rays, the team that the O's are currently leading by three and a half games in the AL East. That series could completely swing the division and could basically 
who wins that series could be the division winner. I mean, that's how big that series is going to be. You want your best starters. Well, the way it's lined up right now, now that the O's have made the change back to the five-man rotation, the scheduled starters would be Jack Flaherty on Thursday, Grayson Rodriguez on Friday, Dean Kramer on Saturday, and Kyle Gibson on Sunday, which obviously omits your best starter in Kyle Bradish. He would be the only starter to not pitch in that series. He would be scheduled to pitch the Wednesday night game, the final game of the series against the Cardinals at Oriole Park. Now, despite that being the fact now, we are still a week away from that series starting. And Brandon Hyde did say to the media after he announced that they're going back to the five-man rotation, that the five-man rotation is just for now, for this weekend, this weekend series against the Red Sox. And after that, it could be changed. He talked about how the off day today gives them a little bit of leeway to move things around. What that means to me is just because they're doing that this weekend doesn't quite mean that that'll be the same order going into the race series. You have to think the Orioles want to get Kyle Bradish a start in that four-game series against the Rays. You cannot go into that series without your best starter, especially in a four-game set. You would think they'd like to have Bradish, Kramer, and Rodriguez be three of the four starters in that series, being your three best guys. So what could they do? Well, that is where John Means comes in because Means made his final AAA rehab start on Wednesday night in Norfolk. He went five innings, allowing three runs on six hits. He struck out four and walked two. They pulled him back a little bit. He threw only 67 pitches after throwing 80-plus pitches in his last rehab start last week. But I think that was planned because I think they know they've built him up enough to get him where he needs to go. Now, once again, it was soft contact against him. Only four hard-hit balls. He got 13 whiffs. It was a nice little number for him, including eight swings and misses on the 13 change-ups that were swung at by Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp hitters on Wednesday night. That is the AAA affiliate of the Miami Marlins that he was pitching against. And the fastball velocity averaged 91.3 miles per hour, topped out at 93 on the night. So not all the way back to what we're usually seeing from John Means, but pretty close to it fastball velocity-wise. Changeup looked good as well for Means Wednesday. Now, John Means has to be activated back onto the 40-man roster off the 60-day injured list on Friday. That is when the 30 days of his rehab assignment are up. They are up this Friday. Now, even though he has to be put back on the 40-man on Friday, which will be easy, the Orioles currently have an open spot. They only have 39 players in their 40-man after DFAing Logan Gillespie and Austin Voth earlier this week. That'll be the easy move. Now, as far as I know, they do not have to bring him right up to the major leagues on Friday because he's not going to be ready to pitch Friday. Even if they have to activate him Friday, he threw 67 pitches here on Wednesday. They would not use him Friday or Saturday and probably not even on Sunday. Like He probably wouldn't be available to pitch until Monday at the earliest. John Means, at least according to Fangraphs, does have minor league options left, which means the Orioles could activate him onto the 40-man on Friday and then immediately option him to AAA, which means he wouldn't take up a big league roster spot quite yet, and you could keep him in Norfolk for a few more days until you were ready to use him and he was ready to go for the Orioles. So what you could do is activate Means Friday, option him to AAA, and then just wait a little bit. And you could wait until Wednesday, call him up Wednesday, so that gives him you know a week off between his last rehab start and ready to pitch in the big leagues. Call him up Wednesday. It's a nice, you know, the Cardinals offense is good, but they're not a very good team, so it could be a somewhat soft landing spot for Means to face the Cardinals Wednesday. He could take Bradish's spot. You move Bradish back one day, and Kyle Bradish starts game one of that four-game race series. Now, what you do with the rest of the series, you could do two things. 
you could just push everybody back. So then you would go with Braddish game one on Thursday, Flaherty Friday, Rodriguez Saturday, and Kramer Sunday. Or you could just skip Flaherty if you wanted to, if you wanted to get what you think maybe are your best four starters in there because Kyle Gibson's been really good against the Rays this year. And so you could skip Flaherty, kind of move him to Monday's start, and then you would go Braddish Thursday, Grayson Friday, Kramer Saturday, and Gibson Sunday. Either way, even though Braddish right now isn't lined up to start in that series, I have to think with using John Means, and even if it's just calling up Means to pitch four innings to start Wednesday, and then you have Cole Irvin there in the bullpen to back him up just in case whatever, if he needs balk relief, whatever it is, you have him there Wednesday. I have to think they're going to manipulate the rotation to have Kyle Bradish, their best starting pitcher, an outside Cy Young candidate in the American League, pitch in one of those four games against the Rays. I can't imagine Bradish sits on the sideline for all four of these most crucial games of the Orioles' season. So that's what they could do. We shall see what they actually do with that rotation. Now, one more thing to get to before we head out here on today's episode is that Tyler Wells actually returned to the mound in Norfolk on Tuesday. And I had mentioned earlier this week on the pod how Wells hasn't pitched in a while. He hadn't pitched since August 25th in AAA after the Orioles had him in AA for a while. You know, he was dealing with the fatigue, sent him down to AA, used him as a starter, then called him up to AAA a couple weeks ago and said, we're just going to use him as a reliever and try to get him back to the bigs as a relief pitcher this year. Well, he wasn't looking good as a reliever either, and they basically kind of shut him down saying he had more arm fatigue. Well, he did return to the mound Tuesday night. Now, the box score line wasn't good. Two-thirds of an inning, two runs, one hit, a strikeout, and two walks. That's not great. But when you look at the pitch velocities, they were good. He got five whiffs on nine swings, and his fastball averaged 94.8, topped out at 95.7. That is much harder than he had been throwing all this year. Wells was like 92 to 93 as a starter this season with good effectiveness in the first half of the year. But that velocity was much closer to what you saw from Tyler Wells back in 2021 in his rookie year when he was an effective reliever all season. That season in 2021, he averaged 95.2 on the fastball. And if you zero into the end of the season when he was just focusing on one inning relief appearances, the fastball was averaging 96. The fact that he averaged 95 out of the bullpen Tuesday is a good enough sign to tell me that maybe I wrote him off a little too soon and potentially, I'm not saying definitely because there's still a lot of hurdles for him, but potentially he could maybe help this Orioles bullpen. Now, is it going to be as a closer? Absolutely not. It would be some sort of middle relief guy if they needed it, but maybe he is still in the cards here for the O's. Although the line looked bad, one good step was getting that velocity back as a relief pitcher that we saw when he ended the year as the Orioles closer in 2021 but that'll do it for today's episode thank you so much for tuning in again the o's are off here today before heading to boston over the weekend which means no game to recap coming up on tomorrow's episode but we got a fun episode coming up tomorrow we're in september it is the second to last off day of the season the orioles play basically two weeks straight of baseball without an off day after today so in tomorrow's episode just want to do a little season reset for the orioles talk about how they got here. How did they get to first place in the AL East? What players, what moments stepped up to get them here? What obstacles have they overcome this season to still get to this point? And then we'll look ahead to the remaining schedule for the O's, the remaining 23 games. What do they have to do? What do the Rays have to do for the Orioles to win this division here in 2023? That's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, 
every day.